26, and as they led him, Jesus, away, they laid a hold upon one Simon, a Cyrenian, coming out of the country, and on him they laid the cross that he might bear it after Jesus, that he might bear it after Jesus. What a privilege it was to follow Jesus. What a privilege that was to carry the cross. And there followed him a great company, everybody say great company, of people and of women, which also bewailed, they were mourning and lamented. They were sad for Jesus, but they were following him. But Jesus turning unto them, said, Daughters of Jerusalem, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. Verse 32, And there were also two other malefactors, Jesus is now on the cross, led with him to be put to death. When they were come to the place which is called Calvary, they, there they crucified him and the malefactors of the criminals, one on the right hand, the thieves, and one on the left. And then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. And the people stood beholding, and the rulers also with them, here's another crowd, derided him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. If he be Christ, if he be the Christ, the chosen of God, and the soldiers also, the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, If thou be, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, the other criminal, the other thief, the other malefactor on the other side of the cross, rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, or reverence God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember, put me together. Remember to put together. Remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today, everybody say today, Shalt thou be with me in paradise. I want to preach for just a few minutes this morning on this subject. Three crowds at the cross. The three crowds at the cross. How many believe the Lord wants to talk to us for a few minutes in this house? Amen. Would you one more time lift up your hands and your voices and ask the Lord to talk to your spirit today. Lord, talk to us today. In Jesus' name, anoint my heart, my mind, my soul. Thankful for this message. I'm thankful for your truth. Thankful for your word today. God, help me, Lord, to deliver your word. Speak to me and through me today. Give us ears to hear. God, I want to be, amen, a part of the believing crowd. God, I want to be part of the saved, the body. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so today. That's the part, that's the group, the crowd that I want to be a part of today. In Jesus' name. Let the church say amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated today. Everything in the Bible, <clears throat> the Bible's a tapestry of truth, the 66 books, every word, everything points to Jesus and the cross. It is the crux 
of the Bible. It is the crux of the humani- human story. It's the crux of humanity. Calvary is the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the Old Testament turning into the New Testament. And then you will find that Jesus in the cross is in, at the middle, at the center of it all. Amen. The Old Testament pointed to the cross and everything in the New Testament points back to the cross. Cross Calvary is the greatest historical event of all time. Can I remind us today, without the cross, we would have no hope. Without Calvary, we would not have no hope, no peace, no redemption, no forgiveness of sin. Amen. No joy unspeakable and full of glory. Oh, thank God for the cross. Amen, amen, amen. All scriptures, directly or indirectly, amen, points to the cross. Over 300 Old Testament prophecies that Jesus Christ fulfilled at the cross. They, they serve to verify that Jesus is the one true Messiah, the promised Savior, the deliver, deliverer for humanity. Amen. Calvary is the fulfillment of prophecy and the greatest example of love that we already heard about this morning. In John 3.16, he said, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him, in him, not just on him, there is a difference, but believeth in him. Amen. I'm believing in Christ today. I stand in Christ today. I've been baptized in Christ today. Amen. I've been saved in Christ today. I was buried in Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. In him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I just throw this in a little nugget, amen, that, that I was thinking and wrote, wrote this down while Brother Whistler was teaching this morning. And when, when talking about the love of God, for God so loved the world that he gave. If God is a separate person, God the Father is a separate person from God the Son, how can, and, and yet they're both co-equal, how can one give another who has more, just as much power as you do? God gave himself. The Bible says he robed himself in flesh. God is spirit. He created, he robed, he, he robed himself in flesh. His begotten son, the body, he allowed his flesh and blood. That's why he said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. I and my Father are one. Praise God. So, but everything in the Bible and everything we, we have today points back to Jesus in the cross. As we look at the cross today in, this, in the text, we find three groups of individuals, three groups of people. You find there were three crowds at the cross that somewhat mirror the crowds of society today. The great company, the Bible talks about that there was a great company that followed him that Luke wrote about in our text. The great company, that word means, or the, the, the Greek word there is plethos or plethos. It is the same word that is translated multitudes when the multitudes followed him. And he fed the multitude, the 5,000 plus, and then he fed the 4,000. It's the same word, multitude. And so there was still a multitude of followers that followed him all the way to the cross. John 19, he was writing. He said, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. We also find that it, John, amen, th- whom Jesus loved, amen, as much as anyone else that was John was, was there. And yet you find there was also, in our text, there was a great 
company of people, Luke said, and of women which also mourned or bewailed and lamented him. There, there were those that in the first crowd, there were those that were willing to follow Jesus all the way to the cross. And I wonder this morning if there's any believers in the house of the Lord this morning that are willing to follow Jesus all the way to the cross. If there's anybody that says, I'm part of the crowd, that says, I will take up my cross and follow him. I don't care if he leads me to Golgotha. That's where I'm going to go. If I have to sacrifice myself, that's where I'm going to. I don't care what anybody else thinks about me. I'm going to follow him even in the moment of shame. Even in the moment, it's the worst moment that I can imagine. I'm going to follow Jesus. The first crowd that Luke talks about is Mary, his mother, and the crowd many of them were faithful women that loved Jesus and 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 were were there to support Mary and to, to support his his family and yet there were those I believe there were some that were there in that crowd it doesn't mention everyone by name but I believe there were some that maybe their eyes had been opened I believe that some perhaps in that crowd could have been the lame that now could walk many in that crowd perhaps were had once been deaf but now they could hear and they said, you don't know like I know what Jesus did for me. So I'm going to follow him wherever he goes. Whatever situation he finds, I'm going to be there with him. I'm not going to separate from him. I'll separate from the wall, but I'm not going to separate from him. Why? Because I love him. I, I'm, I'm consecrated to him. I'm dedicated to him. I'm a true follower of Jesus Christ. I know there were some, even like Peter, when Jesus was taken away, some followed afar off. But there were some that said, I'm going to follow him as close as I possibly can. And I'm glad that Peter got to that point. But it took something in his life for him to get to that point. I don't know what it's going to take in your life, but sometimes there's things that have to happen in our lives because God's trying to get us to come and follow him. I'm talking about three crowds this morning. The first crowd you find are those that love Jesus. There are those in that crowd, they knew exactly who he was. Mary knew who Jesus was. She knew she hadn't been with anybody. She knew she was a virgin when she had a child. She had a, a conversation with an angel. She knew who Jesus is. She had a revelation. And I find those that were there in that first crowd, those had a revelation of who Jesus is. I'm glad I'm amongst the people at church. We got a revelation. We know who Jesus is. Because the Bible says that there was a second crowd. We're going to call them the religious crowd of the day. They were the rulers, the magistrates, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin court. There were also the rulers that said, give us Barabbas and crucify Jesus. There was a religious group, says, and the rulers also with them derided him. They, they mocked Jesus. They, they put him down. They scolded and scorned him. And they said, let him save himself. If he be Christ. The first crowd knew who he was. 
But the religious world today doesn't have the revelation of Jesus' name, baptism. There is a religious world that... There is a religious crowd of judgmentalism. They love not the Lord. They love themselves. They love their traditions and customs. They're in love with we do this and we don't do that. And they're in love with tradition more than they are in love with God. Glad you talked about that this morning. Amen. Can I, I will say this. There are some things I don't do. There are standards that we prescribe to. If you're going to be involved in ministry in this church, there's some things that we set aside. Because we are holy. We are separate. But you need to understand the reason we do that is because we love him. Praise the Lord. The religious leaders, the religious crowd derided, they sneered Jesus. They were the ones that said, give us Barabbas. Crucified Jesus. But they said, if he be the Christ. They did not have the revelation. Be careful who you hang with and who you listen to. Praise the Lord. Be careful who influences you. If they don't have the revelation of who Jesus is, I'd be really careful how much attention you give them. Because these people were a religious crowd and they crucified him. 1 Timothy 3.16, and without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. I'm glad I know who Jesus is. Jesus said in John 14, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. In John 10, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. John 14, 10, believest thou not that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Spirit inhabited the flesh. Jesus is fully God and fully man. The incarnation was God putting on flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. God manifested himself in the flesh. It's the intangible that became tangible. The invisible, God is spirit. The invisible spirit became visible through his flesh, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 1.17, Now unto the King eternal, immortal, invisible, and only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Colossians 2.9, For in Him Jesus dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. These, this religious group, this religious crowd did not have the revelation. We have a lot of people that claim to be religious that have not a revelation of who Jesus is. They don't even baptize in his name, even though Jesus himself said in Luke 24 that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, which is why Peter stood up with the eleven on the day of Pentecost and said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. What? For the remission of sin that Jesus had told them in Luke 24, that you would preach remission and repentance in my name. Acts 4 and 12, neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. 
Paul testified at his conversion in, of his conversion in Acts 22 and 16. Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Oh, somebody yell the name. Jesus. I'm glad you have the revelation today. Romans 6 and 4, we are buried in his name. Galatians 3, 27, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Acts 17, 28, for in him we live, we move, and have our being. Peter's vision in Acts 10, 15, the voice spake unto him again the second time. What God hath cleansed, oh, we were talking about this, that this week. What God hath cleansed, let that call not thou common or unclean. Hey, can I tell, just to throw a little nugget of truth in here. When God cleans somebody up, it's not our place to call them unclean. I know this is a vision and he was, you know, the pork and all that stuff and he sees the vision and God shows him three times. He sees some things and he, God says, hey, what I call clean, you can't call unclean anymore. God, I've got a word for somebody. Hey, man, I've been baptized in Jesus' name. My, my sins are under the blood. I've repented at an altar. I confess my sin. Hey, man, what God has called clean, don't let anybody call unclean. That was just free stuff right there. The religious crowd, there was a religious crowd that day that had no revelation. The first crowd was a great company with Mary and John and Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of Cleophas. They had a revelation. They knew who Jesus was and they followed him. They said, we'll follow you wherever you go. But their second crowd was a religious crowd and yet they had no revelation of who Jesus is. And the third crowd at the cross, our text Luke says in verse 36, And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and said, If thou be the king of the Jews, not only did they not have a revelation, but there was something else that was missing in that third crowd. If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. Save thyself. Take care of your flesh. Be self-centered. If thou be, save thyself and the superscription that was written over him in letters of Greek and Latin and Hebrew, which is kind of interesting. It's just covering all the bases. This is the king of the Jews, verse 39. And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself. If you're the Christ, save yourself. You don't have to go through this. If you're God, you don't have to endure this trial. If you're God Almighty, you don't have to be here. But Jesus was looking at him and says, If I don't endure the cross, I can't save both of us at the same time. I can save myself or I can save humanity, but I can't save both at the same time. There has to be a pure sacrifice. There's got to be a spotless lamb. That's why Jesus said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm willing to crucify my body to be crucified. I'm willing to take the place of all humanity to save us. And yet this male factor, this thief over here on this side of the cross says, if thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other rebuked him. This is something he pointed out that was missing in that worldly crowd. It wasn't a religious crowd. 
Romans weren't religious. Not by any stretch of the imaginations in that sense. They worshipped many gods, pluralism. They, they had adopted the Greek gods and changed, they just changed their names. But they, they weren't really re truly religious. And this criminal, this thief says, Thou be the Christ, save yourself and us. But this other says, Hey, 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 dost not thou fear God? There is a worldly crowd that has risen, in, even in this day and now, it's greater than, I think, even perhaps 2,000 years ago, that has absolutely no reverence for the things of God, no reverence or fear of God Himself, no reverence for the house of God, no reverence for the people of God. When we come into this place, one of the reasons I was so excited we were able to build that little foyer so that people could come and check themselves and, and, and when they come in here, understand, hey, we are reverencing God in the house of God. His house should be called a house of prayer. You see, the third crowd was a worldly crowd that had no revelation and no fear of the Lord. The soldiers mocked him. If thou be the king of the Jews, if thou be the king, save thyself and this other criminal. If thou be, save thyself and us. And that, there was one that said, hey, 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 don't you have a reverence? Do you not fear God? Do you know who this is? This is? The man that was on the cross. People often, they'll, they'll ask, what's your theology of the man on the cross? Well, the... Holy Ghost hadn't been poured out. He was the perfect lamb. And so this man on the cross, he was getting ready to be covered by the, the blood of a spotless lamb. He was under the Old Testament. Even though he was dying on the cross, he found salvation. Because Jesus is on the cross. And the one says, do you not fear God? Do you not have a reverence for God? This man is perfect. Do you not know who this is? And Jesus looked. Hear this. Up to this point, he had only spoken to his followers. Up to this point, he had only spoken to those with the revelation. He didn't speak to the soldiers. He had a conversation about them, but he didn't talk to he didn't talk to the religious. Matter of fact, he was quiet and silent of them. But he looks even as he's taking some of his last breaths to the man on the side that reverenced him and asked for and, and had a revelation of who he was that he was perfect. He was without sin. He was spotless. And he said, "Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise." Do you know, you, I hope you get this this morning. This is what I've been preaching for the last 20 minutes. If you can have a revival of a reverence, of a fear of God, God will deal with your heart. He will speak with your heart. He will do whatever it takes to draw you. This world that we live in, the worldly crowd does not understand that the cross is about denying oneself, not saving oneself. We are living in a generation that wants to save self. They worship creation more than the creator. If it feels good, go ahead. 
whatever floats your boat, whatever jets your plane, whatever shags your carpet, whatever you want to do, just go ahead and do it. Without any fear. They're on their road to hell and I don't want them to go. And they have no fear of hell. They have no fear of God and no fear of reverence of anything that is godly. Yeah, I'm a little animated today, babe. It's been on my heart. The worldly crowd does not understand that the cross is about denying self, being obedient, sacrifice, denial of the flesh. This worldly crowd is a self-centered generation. This worldly crowd worships creation more than the creator. They say, save yourself and us, humanity. Jesus said, this is not about saving my flesh. It's about saving you. For God so loved the world that he gave. People don't give to anything they don't love. It's really easy. I don't, I don't look at the... I don't look at them every once in a while. I'll take a glance and look at it for, for numbers and stuff. But I don't look. I'll just throw this in there. You know, I can tell people that really love the church because they give to it. People that come, they get fed. And I don't, ever, I, I don't think I've ever gone up to a person, individual, and said, Hey, man, you need to start paying. And he pays. I'm just saying this. I'm just using him because he's sitting here. But, you know, it'd be nice if you'd pay your tithe and offering to the, to the house of God. We could really use it right now. I don't do that. God, that, that's between you and God. And I purposely don't pay attention to that because that's between you and God. Maybe I should. Because people give to what they love. Well, that was not intended to go there, but... A worldly crowd does not understand self-denial or sacrifice. Matter of fact, a worldly crowd won't give. <laughs> but Jesus said in Luke 9, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, the same shall find it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.18 For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. You see, the worldly generation, this worldly crowd does not, understanding, does not understand the preaching of the cross because it's foolishness to them. Why are we preaching? They don't understand sacrifice and, and the blood that was shed at the cross. It's foolishness. The Calvary is foolishness to the worldly mindset because they're all about saving self and not about denying self. They don't understand that the only way to save yourself is to give of yourself. The only way to save yourself is to take up your cross and follow Jesus. Matter of fact, who from the crowds were on the day at the, there at the day of Pentecost? We find those that were willing to follow him all the way to the cross were the ones that found salvation. They were the ones that received the gift of the Holy Ghost at Pentecost. They were the ones that were baptized in Jesus. They are the ones that made it to heaven. Yeah. 
Verse 40. He said, Dost not thou fear God? The worldly crowd does not reverence God. They don't reverence the house of God, the word of God, the people of God, or the things of God. The worldly crowd does not understand holiness, righteousness, or separation from the world. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. Can I, can I read just, can I have just a couple more minutes here this morning or this afternoon now? 2 Corinthians 6, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are, say that's me. That's me. For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And I will, I will, I will receive you and will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and my daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Praise God. What I'm trying to tell somebody right now is the fear or reverence of God. Amen. Will cause you to separate yourself from the world. It's not what I have to do. It's what I get to do. It's not a mandate that I have to. It's what I get to do to be pleasing to God. And there is a reason why I separate and I present my body a living sacrifice. Holy, 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 holy unto God. There's a reason why. And I'm going to give you the reason. You don't get anything else. You got to get this. The glory of God only dwells in holy places. The presence of God only abides and dwells in holy places. He was in the holiest of holies. We are filled with the Holy Ghost. Our bodies are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That's why he said, be ye holy, even as I am holy. If you want me to dwell. When I feel like I've done or thought or being unholy, I plead the blood and I clean house because I do not want the Holy Ghost to leave this holy vessel. I do not believe once saved, always saved. Praise God. The glory of God only dwells in holy places. Hebrews 12, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Amen. You say, well, brother, pastor, pastor Mullings, you're, 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 you're focusing on holiness a little too much. You're focused on separation a little too much. You're focused on, I don't know, I don't think I'm focused on it quite enough. I think we ought to always be focused on how I can present my body a living sacrifice, denying self, holy and acceptable unto God, not the world, but unto God, which is my reasonable. I'm not being unreasonable by preaching holiness and, and separation. I'm being completely reasonable. Well, hallelujah. And the second verse of that, can I, let's just, you know, swallow the cat, don't gag on the tail. And be not conformed to this world, 
but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. What this generation needs is a fresh baptism of the fear, godly reverence of the Lord. Proverbs 9 and 10. Let me just read it to you. Now I'm, I'm trying to close. Matter of fact, musician, come. That's you, babe. The fear, everybody say the fear. fear. What the reverence? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. How many have heard that? But you ever read the second part of that same verse? And the knowledge, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. We got to have a fear of the Lord. To have the knowledge and understanding of holiness. You ready? Brother George, I love it when backsliders come or new converts come and they feel the love of God and they come they're like, I just, I love what I feel. They love the presence of God. We love that. You talked about that. That's what's going to draw me in, brother. You're absolutely, you're just like a thousand percent, ten, a million times right. But somehow, at some point, at some time, they're going to feel the love. They're going to come in. And at some point, I pray that the fear of God would hit them. The reverence. Because it is the fear of God that causes a sinner to go to an altar. If they have not the fear of God or reverence of God, they'll never think that they have need to be washed and cleansed and sanctified and to be made holy. You see, the fear of God will cause somebody to come and repent and allow God the opportunity to wash them and cleanse them and purify them and all that, and baptism, Jesus, all that good stuff. But then they also become a prime candidate to be filled with the Holy Ghost because the glory of God never abides or dwells in an unholy vessel. But this man that's here on his deathbed, if you will, he's being crucified. He goes, this man is perfect. He had a revelation. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. You, you guys, he's, he's being crucified. These are his last words too. And this man's perfect. He doesn't deserve this. Would you remember me? Revelation and reverence. I almost titled this message this morning, Revelation and Reverence. Because without revelation and without reverence, you can't see God. But because this man had revelation and a reverence, he didn't have to have a pedigree. He didn't have to have a college degree. He didn't have to be white, black, brown, pink, or some race, or some this. He didn't have to come from money. Matter of fact, this is a thief. He's a convict. Great. Guess what? Convicts can have a revelation and a reverence for God. And Jesus, while he's being crucified, and he, 
He's, he's, got it. he's in excruciating pain. He, he's shedding his blood. He's sacrificing himself for all humanity. He looks over at the one with revelation and reverence. And he says, today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. Which crowd are you running with? Which crowd are you associating yourself with today? Are you going to associate yourself with a religious crowd that has no revelation and no reverence? Are you going to associate with the crowd that has, it's a worldly crowd that has no reverence for the things of God, no revelation of who Jesus is? Or are you going to associate yourself with the closest followers of Jesus Christ so that you can see Him and know Him? as he is let's stand in this house this morning i know god moved in a great way earlier this service but i feel like someone has now have a revelation and someone has a reverence the bible says the bible says in our version he said today thou shalt be with me in paradise a godly fear or reverence will cause one to come to an altar and repent and give God everything. A godly fear will say, God, I'm nothing and you are everything. God, I need you in my life more than anything else. I want to walk with you. I want a relationship with you more than anything else. I don't want to associate with the crowd of this world. I don't even want to associate with a religious crowd. I want relationship with Jesus Christ. God, I want a relationship with you more than anything. I, I'm thankful that I know who you are. Thank you for dealing with my heart and my soul. God, I, there's a fear of God in my life. There's a fear. I must be saved. I can't be lost. I won't be lost. God, I want to have a relationship with you this morning. And I wonder this morning if there's anyone in this house that would come to an altar because you've got revelation and you've got a godly reverence, a godly fear, and you're coming to this place. You're going to take your shoes, not literally perhaps like Moses when he came to the burning bush, but you're coming to the presence of God, a holy place. You're going to say, God, wash me, cleanse me, purify me, sanctify me, forgive me of my sin. Let me be right with you, right with my brothers and sisters because I love you. Does anyone want to come that has revelation?